What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. I think I got a killer idea for drama. What is it? Vince, I got one great pitch in me, and I'm giving it to Ian Drama in an hour. Going through the proper channels. I like that. Good luck. Thanks. What do you got? Meeting. All right, superhero stuff. You ready? Yeah, why wouldn't I be? No, you don't look ready. Why not? You look tired. I do? Yeah, and you smell. Or maybe I smell. I sweat when I meditate. Vince. You okay? Yeah. Baby bros, we are back with Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. Hope everybody had an enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. We've got a great episode of the pod for you today. Jake Asman is an ESPN radio host down in Houston, Texas. He's a New York guy originally. He was born and raised on Entourage. He was a great shot of life to this podcast. He's been a listener since day one, so it was great to finally get him in the mix. Looking forward to having him back in an upcoming episode doing my best to pump these out every week it might be another two-week break in between this week's and next week i've got some travel coming up i might have landed a short-term job in the meantime so i'm doing my best no promises but uh we'll get it done hope everyone's having a great summer check out the pod social feeds at oh yeah pod instagram twitter tiktok i will be in chicago when you guys are listening to this going to some cubs games seeing some family any chicago listeners out there hit me up Enjoy the episode and have a great rest of your week. My guest this week is the host of The Wheelhouse on 97.5 ESPN Houston, weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m., as well as the host of The Jake Asman Show on YouTube. He's dialing in from Houston, Texas. Jake Asman, welcome to the Entourage Podcast for the first time. JR, I am pumped, man. Like, this is the highlight <laughs> of my month, the highlight of my year. I mean, Entourage is my favorite show of all time. I've been listening to your podcast uh, basically since you started it. So this is so cool to, to be invited on. I can't thank you enough, and I'm excited to talk some Entourage with you. Dude, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that I'm talking with a pro right now. You just spent six hours today talking about sports, and you're going <laughs> to do another hour talking about Entourage. You you got a great voice. You got a great face. This is good. This is fun. I'm super excited. And it's the first time in a, probably a season that I've had a new guest on. So it's always good to get some fresh blood in the mix. I really appreciate you taking the time. Man, it's, it's the least I could do. I mean, the dedication that you put forth for us entourage <laughs> diehards, like it's the least any of us could do, man. I mean, you, you've got me through so many commutes. You've got me through so many workouts at the gym. If like I have nothing else really going on, I'm caught up to date on whatever show I'm watching. I'm like, oh, I got the entourage pod. So I mean, it's it's my favorite show ever, and you, you've enhanced the rewatching experience. So this is great. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me, and I'm excited to have you on. We're talking today about episode seven of season seven, Tequila and Coke. Before we get into this week's episode, I asked this for all my first time guests. What's your relationship with Entourage like? When did you first discover it? When did you watch it all the way through? Did you see the movie? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I have a very unique angle on Entourage just from the fact I grew up in New York. I grew up on Long Island. In fact, my mom actually went to high school with Doug Allen, who wow. sure your, your audience knows, the, the guy who created the show. So <laughs> yeah. I, I was always kind of like aware, oh, there's a show Entourage. I didn't start watching Entourage, though. I'm 28, so I didn't start watching Entourage until – I want to say summer 2008. So I have to do the math, but I was probably around like 13 years old in that mm-hmm. age range, like 12 or 13 years old. And I'll never forget how I first started watching the show. 
I was at summer camp. You know, I'm a Jewish kid from Long Island. I'm at sleepaway <laughs> camp with the Poconos, yeah. Camp Kenanensis. And one of my bunk mates, a guy by the name of Sam Falk, his nickname was Twin Pop. So the great Twin Pop had <laughs> like seasons one through four of Entourage on DVD. And he's like, man, you got to watch the show. It's great. And I'm like, what's Entourage? He's like, just check it out. So he lent me his DVDs. And back then you still had the DVD players. Like kids today are probably like, what? So I, I watched one through four over the course of a couple of days and I was hooked, man. I mean, it Absolutely. was, it was the great, and there was probably so many jokes looking back on it that maybe were over my head then that I didn't get, but I just, the, 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 the cast of the show, I fell in love with the storylines, the fact they're all kind of New York guys and I can relate to them a little bit. Um, it, it, it was awesome. So I would say summer 2008 at Jewish sleepaway camp is when I first got <laughs> my uh, first taste of entourage. It's a similar story to a lot of people where the DVD box sets specifically seasons one through four, were kind of like a rare, not a rare commodity, a valuable commodity that were passed around. I remember my college roommate, I'm older than you, we talked about this. My college roommate had seasons one through four and uh, he introduced me to it and lent them to me on a, like a family trip. And I brought them on an airplane with me and like had to return them to him and then buy my own copies. And it was this thing where he was like, hey man, I need those back because I need, I love the show so much. So that's hysterical. So you must understand like, some of the New York references that they make to like some of the, the like Eddie's pizza or something like that. Like it, th those are like my favorite part, like just kind of <laughs> watching the show the very first time. I remember it's like, I, it might've been the pilot episode where they reference, Oh, you know, turtle. Did you get like the Eddie's sent out here for us? Yep. And I'm like, they can't be talking about Eddie's pizza, at new Hyde park, long Island, where I go <laughs> with my mom and like grandma growing up and you know, sure enough, they are. And so like the things like that, I love, and obviously, you know, I'm a huge New York sports fan. So the fact that mm. Turtles wearing Knicks jerseys and Yankee hats, and you know, Kevin Connolly, who is in real life a real Islanders fan, and you know, I'm a yeah. diehard Islanders fan myself. Like I actually met him at a hockey game, at an Islander game, like at the Nassau Coliseum in like 2010. So like just the connection I had to the show, just based on some of the things like that that you see in the actual show. I mean, I was hooked. And then obviously, if you're you know someone our age, like that was the show on TV at the time, like everyone who was anyone was watching it. So I, I fell in love with entourage, like from summer 08 all the way through, like going to opening night at the movie with my brother and my high school friends and like standing up in the movie theater with a standing ovation when the theme <laughs> was playing, uh, you know, in, in the film. So I, I love the show, man. It's awesome. Incredible, incredible, incredible story. I love the enthusiasm. I love it. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive in. We're, we were talking about, like I mentioned, episode seven of season seven to Teal and Coat. It first aired August 15th, 2010 summer 2010 jake where were you what were you doing in life so i was still at summer camp then and <laughs> and i'll tell you you know it's funny because it comes up in this episode this is right after lebron made the decision and as a diehard knicks fan like i i was emotionally distraught that he didn't choose the knicks like he he does the announcement if you remember at the boys and girls club in greenwich connecticut which is down the street from the knicks practice facility so everyone <laughs> in new york is thinking lebron's gonna be a nick and i remember being at camp like the counselors who like had their cell phones were like, Hey, the buzz is he's going to be a Nick. And they knew I was a huge Nick fan. So like, that was like coming off like the LeBron decision. I remember being at camp and just being depressed when we found out that he's taking his talents to, to South beach. So that's kind of what I remember about the summer of 2010. Honestly, me being like this sick of fan sports fan, uh, you know, just remembering LeBron not going to the Knicks and how that all played out. That's an incredible memory for me as well, because I was playing in like a fireman's basketball league in Chicago, Illinois, and the other city he was going to maybe come to was Chicago. And this like Facebook rumor had started that like 
people saw moving trucks like at his house and like you know someone saw his plane land at O'Hare and I totally bought in and was telling everyone that and we stopped our game to listen we had no TV at the gym to listen on like AM radio the ESPN you know the ESPN AM broadcast of ESPN 1000 in Chicago to hear and I remember when he said I'm taking my talents to South Beach a gym full of like a hundred guys just went like, ah, oh, fuck, fuck that guy. It was <laughs> right. incredible. And I want to put a pin in the the note that you made because this episode airs six weeks after the decision and there's a reference to the decision, which is an incredible turnaround time. So let's, let's put a pin in that. We have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of cameos in this episode. Probably too many for us to get to, but we'll try our best. Every week I like to do like a time capsule, day in the life, what was going on in the world at this point. And on this date, not this exact date, but uh, just uh, four days later, Thursday, August 19th, Roger Clements, the larger-than-life pitcher who appeared destined for the Baseball Hall of Fame, was indicted by a federal grand jury in D.C. on charges that he lied to Congress when he said he never used performance-enhancing drugs. He was indicted on six felony counts, including perjury, false statements, and contempt of Congress, Clemens pled not guilty, but proceedings were complicated by pros- prosecutorial misconduct, whatever the hell that is, leading to a mistrial. And the second trial, which didn't happen until June 2012, he was found not guilty on all six counts of lying to Congress, but all of these controversies hurt his chances for election in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He never received the 75% of votes required in his next 10 years of eligibility, ending with 65% in 2022. So just recently this happened. And this was just like the third high-profile athlete at the time to be charged with lying about their use of banned substance. Right before him was Marion Jones, the track and field sprinter from like the 2000 Summer Olympics. And then, of course, the most famous was Barry Bonds. So this is that time. This is like the, the kind of like black mark on baseball of our generation. Roger Clemens played for the Yankees, but I'm assuming you're a Mets fan. So I'm actually a Yankee fan, believe it or not. Oh, here I, we go. <laughs> I, it, it's, uh, it, I, I consider myself lucky because, unfortunately, I'm a Jets fan. So I've, I've known okay. you know, nothing but misery besides, you know, I could have been a Giant fan and saw two Super Bowls, which, by the way, major gripe with the entourage storyline that Turtle doesn't like Brady because it doesn't make any sense. The Giants have owned Brady. And, and it, yeah. when that entourage episode happened with Brady, you know, filling in for the Manning brothers, as the story goes, with Mark Wahlberg, like Turtle has no reason to hate Tom Brady. I, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Giants beat the, the Patriots. Like, the storyline should have been if Turtle was a Jets fan, then it makes total sense. But <laughs> as, as a New York sports fan and an entourage fan, that's the only gripe I had that was like, that actually doesn't make any sense from a storyline standpoint. But, yes, I'm a uh, I'm a Yankees, Jets, Islander, Nick fan. So I got most of the teams that, that Turtle has and, and Kevin Connolly and the E character has. So uh, we relate there at least. Roger Clemens, I'm assuming he won his two World Series when you were – 10 years old, roughly. Probably a little younger than that. Yeah. Cause a little younger. Think, think so you, you probably don't remember them. Yeah. 99 and 2000. I mean, I, I, I was like second grade in 2000. I remember I had a, a Yankee teddy bear and I was excited. The Yankees won the world series. <laughs> quick recap. And this is not quick. As I mentioned earlier, uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to rewatch this week's episode, Billy rebuffs a girl who's interested to hear that he's a director at a party heading upstairs to rest. He spots Vince doing a line of cocaine with Scott and Sasha. Eric calls the house to remind Turtle that Vince needs to be ready for tomorrow's studio meeting. Unsettled by Lizzie's threat, Ari calls Anna Fowler at Deadline Hollywood only to learn she has nothing on him. So seizing an opportunity, he seeks out Lizzie, who has actually quit Amanda's agency. The two finally make peace. If Ari will find Lizzie a studio job, she'll turn over the tapes to Ari. With news about Avion spreading about town, Turtle brokers an exclusive deal with a liquor store in exchange for priority placement. He only needs to provide 50 cases for the sale. 
An unhappy Carlos calls Turtle to tell him his job was to get Vince involved, not to sell cases of tequila. E calls Vince to remind him about his meeting, waking him up, and before he leaves, Billy senses that something about Vince isn't quite right and suggests he grab some coffee before heading out. At the meeting, Vince is noticeably twitchy. Later, Billy pitches his show idea to Drama and Eric, an animated series about a high-strung gorilla voiced by Drama called Johnny's Bananas. Drama is furious he's been reduced to a cartoon monkey, but E is intrigued. Scrambling to fulfill his promise to the liquor store, Turtle calls everyone he gave cases to, and with 40 of them back in his hands, he's able to keep the store's customers happy. Ari and Dana Gordon make a deal. She'll give Lizzie a job if Lenny Kravitz does one of her movies. Their celebration is spoiled by news from Randall Wallace. He thinks Vince is on cocaine. E is surprised to hear the accusation when Ari relays that to him. Knowing Vince was on coke the night before, Billy advises E to call Vince. Lenny Kravitz refuses to take the part. It's clear the director just wants to sleep with him, putting Ari's deal with Dana in jeopardy. Disappointed that he doesn't have a job for her yet, Lizzie still agrees to hand over the tapes. But moments later, Barbara Miller breaks the news to Ari. The contents of the recordings are online. Ari's phones begin ringing nonstop, and Jerry Jones immediately severs the NFL's ties to him. And then en route, up the coast with Sasha Gray, Vince calls E and denies that he was on cocaine. Sasha says, you totally just lied to him. Jake. What was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? Oh, yeah, this is a tough one because this is kind of when the Vince downfall of season seven really starts to spiral out of control. <laughs> I mean, the episode's called Tequila and Coke. We're crying <laughs> out loud. Uh, I mean, favorite moment, honestly. I mean, can I can I go with the cop out of like Sloan basically telling E to focus on me <laughs> in the bedroom? I mean, uh, like who's not excited about that, especially if you grew up like I did as a teenager watching this episode. So. That was like the first thing that I thought. And, and just honestly, the presence of Billy Walsh and his character development, bringing him back. Like, I, I don't know if it was like a particular scene, but just having Billy Walsh kind of back in the fold. Like that yeah. to me was a bright spot of season seven, just having Billy back in the mix. So I, I'll, I'll go with Billy Walsh's kind of, you know, resurgence in the plot line. He's pitching Johnny Bananas to drama. I'll go with Billy Walsh as like, you know, my favorite moment, having him back, that nostalgia feeling you get when you see him back with the crew. I love that, and, and it's a good segue into my favorite moment, which is, while I don't like the Johnny's Bananas plot in Season 8, I loved Billy Walsh pitching Johnny's Bananas to drama in E. It's part of my job. I'm, I'm a creative director. I pitch creative to people who aren't creative, and that's not an easy task. And Billy fucking murders this pitch. Yep. He's, like, doing the voices. He's holding up the sign. He's holding up the sketches in front of drama. As drama gets angrier and angrier, Billy goes, and then Johnny goes bananas. And <laughs> while the real drama is losing his mind, he's dying laughing and drama's melting down. There's a quote in here that I want to get verbatim. He goes, just imagine, drama, your plight as a misunderstood gorilla can move countless angry men. That's, like, a weirdly, like, sentimental, prescient thing that, like, Entourage is trying to do, like, the misunderstood male anger thing, which, you know, not super popular right now. But like in 2010, it was probably like, it seemed kind of nice to me, the whole thing. So I love that scene. It was it was the highlight of the episode for me, 1,000%. Yeah, it's a great point. And it just shows you how good of an actor Kevin Dillon is, too. Like, just he's, he's selling the, the Johnny Bananas, like, reaction with the cartoon there. And he's like, you could tell it's like that genuine anger that his character is showing. I mean, it's just it, it, drama and probably Ari are my two favorite characters in the show, like most people. And I just think, like, drama could steal any scene he's in. Like, he's, he's that type of character. And I think it's a great example of what he did there with Billy Walsh. Because I've known you for so long, I feel super confident that I can tailor a character around your voice. And I have the perfect character. All right, I'm ready, Billy. Show me what you got. What the hell is that? I mentioned something about this to you earlier, and I think you thought I was joking, but I wasn't. What is it? It's you, Johnny. 
I don't follow. Did you draw that? Yeah. It's pretty good. Thanks. What does that have to do with me? It is you, drama. You're a high-strung simian trying to make it in a human world that just doesn't get you. Is this some kind of joke? No, it's not a joke. Here, say something. Say something? Yeah, hold this up here and say something. Get that out of my face, bro. See, his voice is perfect. Wait, you want me to voice a mean gorilla? No, nah, he's not mean. He's misunderstood. Like you, he's named Johnny. We call it Johnny's Bananas. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> it made me laugh. I mean, can you write a script? I already did an outline while I was meditating. I just have to transcribe it to paper. Well, great. Well, what's it say? Can you pitch it to us? OK, so Johnny's ex-wife is a nasty little black widow spider monkey named Julie. <laughs> She's getting remarried to a baboon named Ronald. <laughs> It's a big ceremony, it's the talk of the town. But when Johnny stops paying alimony, she tells him that it was only a love ceremony, that it's not legally binding, and that she's taking him to court. And then Johnny goes bananas. <laughs> I mean, what happens? Does he win? Well, you have to read it. Who cares if he wins, and I'm not reading it, because I lose. Are you making fun of me, Billy? Is that what you're doing? Oh, drama. I'm obsessed with animation. You ever see Family Guy? That dog, Brian, he kills me, he kind of is me was me. I mean, this stuff moves people. And just imagine how your plight as a misunderstood gorilla can move countless angry men. I'm starting to get angry now. You know, this is my first shot at my own show. You want me to hide behind the cartoon monkey and you're liking this? I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, I'm not intrigued. Not even a little bit. What a waste of my day. Drama. What are you doing, Billy? That's what Johnny will do when he gets angry. You like it, right? I'm intrigued. <laughs> What's your favorite bros being bros moment in this episode? That should mean whatever you think that means. I just think it's most authentic moment of male friendship, but take it away, Jade. Yeah, so I was looking at kind of the party at the house at the beginning and just the fact that, you know, when E calls uh, Turtle to make sure that, you know, Vince is in bed getting ready for his big meeting with Randall Wallace the next day. Like, Turtle sees what's going on, but he has to protect Vince. He has to protect his boy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know he's relaxing as he's like, doing cocaine <laughs> off, like, like Sasha Gray's, like, breasts or whatever was going on in that scene. So uh, I, I wrote that down because I just thought that was, like, classic optimized. Like, even as, you know, Vince is spiraling out of control, like, Turtle's still going to be a bro for his guy because Vince has given him everything in his life. 1000%. I love that. My, my moment is in that same scene. It's a little bit of a smaller moment. So it's not the my bros being bros moment isn't the fact that Vince, Sasha and Scotty and this random girl are doing cocaine, but it's that they are making plans for the next day while I'm cocaine, which is a <laughs> which is a moment I've had with my guy friends late night. We've had a little bit too much of anything. And we're like, dude, tomorrow we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then it's going to be fucking awesome. And none of it happens. Does it just right. so? You're on that high of, you know, obviously they're on a different type of high. But, like, you're, you're, you're pounding drinks and you just kind of keep, like, elevating each other. And so you have all these great fucking ideas at 2 in the morning. And then by 6 a.m., you're like, I will never do that with that man or that person. So I just love that. Just a little moment that was super relatable to me. They all want to go skydiving the next day. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> And we get we get more Scott Lavin in this episode, and, and I, I, honestly, when I when they first introduced the Lavin character, I didn't love Scott, but the more yeah. I rewatch it over the years, and I maybe it just yeah, you know, I really like the actor who plays him. I I just think the the Scott Lavin character is underrated, and honestly, I I think Doug Ellen's been asked about this. I think maybe there's a scheduling conflict, but I was bummed when I saw the Entourage movie and Scott Lavin was not in the movie. I was the same. And if anything, this podcast, we've developed a newfound appreciation for Scotty. Because we watch his episodes so closely and I talked about it for so long. Like, he's he's the MVP of season seven. And I think he's brought in because 
he's kind of sidelined with like marriage stuff this whole season and so he's like the edgier more like hardcore e in a way and and, I, and it works it works all the way through the end of the show if i'm being honest with you yeah he kind of fits in seamlessly after a couple episodes like especially the season when they really introduce him and give him a storyline kind of in the crew 100 percent. you should have seen this kid he tried to play it off but the kid was indeed terrified right or wrong poor baby He's never jumped out of a plane before <laughs> Did you like it? It was amazing. To be honest, when I got in the air, I felt complete peace. Let's do it again tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. You're on. Ah, here, here. Ah. Cheers. 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 Oh. What was your least favorite moment, Jake? Ooh. Vince being on Coke in the Randall meeting was tough. Like, just, just that whole sequence. Just because you're like, man, like, they're going from, like, what happened in season six where, like, I heard you guys talking about this on the pod, and I, and I, I, I agree. Like season six could have been a series finale, basically with the way yeah. it ended with the, the Ari moment with Terrence and the paintball scene mm-hmm. and E proposing the slot. Like there was enough there where it's like Vince is back on top. Everything's going great. You had the greatest cameo in the history of the show with Matt Damon. Like to go from that to like, man, they are really taking Vince down a dark path and just kind of knowing how the rest of the season goes. I, I don't know if this was my least favorite moment. If we did this podcast in real time, let's say in 2010, but mm-hmm. just knowing where this is going, Vince being on Coke in the Randall meeting and, and, and like the, just even how the episode ends where he's lying to his best friend E on the phone with Sasha there. Like that to me was like the least favorite moment just because it's like, man, you know what's coming now. Yeah, it's the tipping point. I've been alluding to it for the past five episodes of the pod. It's coming. It's coming. We're there. Like it, it goes really downhill over the next three episodes. So I have two least favorite moments. And one of them is the coked out meeting with Randall Wallace. And I have nitpicks for both of my moments. So this first one, Vince seems like he's nervous in that meeting. He does not seem like he's on coke. Randall Wallace just seems like he's almost looking for an excuse for Vince. I don't know. Again, trying to indict myself or anything, but I've been around people who've been on cocaine. He's just kind of like bouncing his leg. I don't know. I bounce my leg every time I sit down in every any service. I bounce my leg when I sit on my couch. I bounce my leg while I'm driving the car. If they wanted to show him on cocaine, he could have been sniffling a little bit, maybe like eyes darting. Maybe he interrupts Randall a couple times. He's just so excited. It just felt like a bit of a stretch to me that Randall Wallace would, like, jump all the way to... Well, he was clearly on coke in that meeting. He's, like, weirdly kind of charming. He says this line where he's like, all right, I won't tweet about tequila. My, my fingers are sealed. And Randall's like, what? He's like, you know, like, my lips are sealed. My fingers are sealed. And Randall Wallace just seems like he's no-humored, like, kind of stick in the mud. It's really a bizarre translation that, like, he was clearly on cocaine. I don't think he clearly looked like he was on cocaine. Yeah. He seemed like he was a little bit nervous. You're, you know? you're, you're right, Jay. I, I feel like they kind of forced it. It's like, oh, he's definitely on coke. And it's like, as a viewer, <laughs> we're just like, all right, I guess Vince is on coke. Yeah. Because like, yeah. we know he, we know he was at the party. You're right. Like yeah. looking back on it, I, I guess it was more like they just, they didn't really want to like go through the whole like scene of making him like so obviously on coke. It's like, this is good enough. We can just move forward to the day. It kind of does feel like they kind of rushed through that meeting in hindsight. It's a good point. We can infer that like Billy tells him, tells him to go inside and have a cup of coffee and he goes inside and does some lines. I think that's what we're supposed to infer, but it just didn't seem obvious enough to me, but apparently it was obvious enough to Randall Wallace. <laughs> so how are you, Vince? I'm good. I'm good. Look, I just want to say, I'm sorry about our last meeting. Bringing a date obviously wasn't the most professional thing to do. I'm sorry. I was more concerned with the fact I thought you were drunk. I wasn't. I one glass of tequila. And you're tweeting about tequila now. It's like you really like this stuff, huh? It's a company my friend got me into, but don't worry. No more tweets about it. My fingers are sealed. <laughs> hey, you know, my lips are sealed, but you tweet oh, with your fingers. <laughs> that's funny. So look, Vince, here's why I wanted to have this meeting. Obviously, as you know, 
your commitment to do Airwalkers, what gave the studio the confidence to greenlight the movie. And you're directing? Well, thank you. Hopefully that had a little something to do with it. But here's the deal. If we're going to go spend more than a year of our lives together, I need to know that I can count on you. You can. I need to know that everything about you and your personal life is in control and in order. It is. My second least favorite moment is Ari losing the NFL dig, where yep. Jerry Jones calls him. And it's an incredible acting performance by Piven. You get to see the Jeremy Piven holding back tears and him like not being able to respond to his assistant, Jake. But this is me nitpicking, because that's what I do on this pod. And it's the last I'll nitpick about this episode. While this whole like plot line is dramatic, and it's kind of the first time we've ever seen cancel culture like in effect, and it seemed really relevant at the time, it doesn't make a ton of sense, because somebody who we're led to believe is Amanda Daniels calls Anna Fowler at Deadline Hollywood and tells her what she overhears on some tapes that she doesn't have. I get that like celebrity gossip sites, they operate in this like kind of moral gray area, but that'd be like me calling your job and saying, I overheard Jake say some bad stuff on a tape. And they go, oh, can we hear it? And I go, oh, I don't have it. <laughs> and then them just being like, well, he's fired. <laughs> like, it, it just is this weird, like, the NFL is just like out now. They're out on a billion dollar deal in LA because of what's essentially rumors at this point. It just, again, I'm poking holes. It's a little unfair of me, but like, I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me, Jake. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, you're right. And also from like a sports standpoint, like Jerry Jones would not be the one calling Ari to tell him like, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. this deadline Hollywood story just dropped. Uh, the Like the, the NFL would issue a no comment until they gather more information. And you're right. Without having the concrete tapes, they would not be able to just pull the plug on an LA deal. The other thing that's pretty funny is we went from like, oh, there's no football team in LA to now, like years later, there's two NFL teams <laughs> in LA. We've had Super Bowls there since. So it's just kind of funny, like watching this episode. I'm like, oh yeah, remember when there was no NFL teams in LA? And now we've had two there for years already. It's crazy. Are you okay? More than okay, Babs. More than okay. Lizzie gave me the tapes. Well, that's great, uh, but 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 what? Did you not see Deadline Hollywood? No. Somebody told Anna Fowler what was on the tapes. Amanda? I don't know, but it's bad. I'm sorry, Ari. I've got Jerry Jones and your wife both calling. Ari? Ari? Uh, Jerry Jones. Jerry, how are you? Better than you, it seems. I've just gotten off the phone with our publicist. It's all lies and rumors, my friend. Listen, I can clean it all up. It doesn't matter. I don't do scandal. The NFL doesn't do scandal. It's too bad. We were excited about this. <laughs> so was I. Good luck with this thing. Thank you. Now, your wife's still on hold. Should I put her through? She's her phone's blown up. Something's going on. What was the most entourage moment of this episode? That's to me, whatever you think entourage in quotes means, Jake. Ooh, most entourage moment of this episode. Uh, I, I still go back to the house party, right? Yeah. And just kind of like, like that's that's entourage <laughs> in a nutshell. And you even get like the Chris Bosch line with Turtle there, like, oh, like, you know, like, like coming to the Knicks would have been great too, Chris. And he's trying, and you know, Chris Bosch is trying to get like vodka for his girl and he's like bribing the bartender for like a thousand dollars. Like, that's like the funny, like entourage cameo stuff that, 
that we all liked kind of when the show was in its prime. So I'd say just that whole house party in general was like, that was still like vintage entourage. These guys get to live the dream type of moment. Kits off the episode on a high note. This has the most gratuitous nudity in any party shot scene in Entourage. Like, there's nudity in the show. And I was trying to think, like, where else have we seen so many naked women? And I think it might be, like, the Playboy party from season two, like, when they go to the mansion. But there are maybe, like, five or seven butt-ass naked girls pouring tequila on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it is straight out of a male fantasy. It makes zero sense, but it's obviously great and super fun. And they're, they're playing the hits here. Yeah. Yeah, they they like they're like you know what well, this is a dark season we gotta give the we gotta give the the hardcore but we gotta let them know this is still on to us at the end of the day. <laughs> Any lines or quotes jump out at you? I'm sure I'm sure you have a yeah. Fun. You know I feel I don't want to I don't want to take some of the good lines here. So you can, you can start us off. This is your show, Jr. Little little ones, Babs and Ari going back and forth. Barbara goes, I don't think you should talk to her, Ari. And he goes, I think that you know what I think about your thoughts. Babs. <laughs> it's just such like a douchey like. Piven delivers it perfectly. Uh, we had Joe Dressis on as Hollywood producer who used to work with uh, Beverly D'Angelo, and he pointed out something great, which is, like, Babs gets steamrolled by Ari for, like, years. And we just all love it because we love Ari when really it's, like, a really shitty situation. <laughs> I think about that now every time I said, she is like, no, don't go do this. And he's like, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> it's just, there's, she doesn't have to stand up for herself at all. It's, it's a huge shame. That that is a very funny one. You know, you know it's one of the more underrated ones I wrote down when uh when when Ari calls up. I guess it's Carrie Fisher playing Anna Fowler, which yeah. I, I didn't even realize yeah. until like I, I was like, is that Carrie Fisher or R.I.P.? Amazing. So like Loki, that was pretty cool to see that. Uh, when he calls her up and he realizes, oh, like she doesn't have the tape yet, and she's like, you better give me something, Ari. He's like, Howard Stern is hosting jeopardy she's like bullshit he's like hangs up the phone <laughs> i was like that's just classic like ari like improvising like i got i got a chuckle out of that line i thought that was pretty funny how are you anna hey ari you calling to gloat uh, gloat about what lizzie grant leaving amanda's leaving she's been there one day wait you don't know about this uh then why are you calling me i like you I did hear that you and Lizzie had some angry words when she left you. That is not true. When she left, I was devastated. Lizzie has been like a daughter to me. But sometimes a good father has to let his daughter go free so her wings can finally sprout. Why the fuck are you calling me then, Ari? Do I really need to start digging here? No. Then you better give me something. Howard Stern is going to be the new host of Jeopardy. Oh, come on. I didn't hear from me. Uh, the NFL peeps are calling. I'll call him from the road. Is Howard Stern really going to host Jeopardy? Where are you going? I'm going to go see Lizzie. I think I found a chink in her armor. I don't think you should talk to her, Ari. I think that you know what I think about your thoughts, Babs. I've also got, towards the end of the episode, he's in Dana Gordon's office. And Dana Gordon, perfect delivery by Constance Simmer. I'm pushing 40. I don't have a man. I want a baby with your sperm. And he's just like, ser seriously? <laughs> and she's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you. It's good. It's like, it's great writing. She's a great actor. She pulls it off. And then she like delivers the kill shot. I need sperm with thicker hair. It's like, whoa, Piven was okay with that one. That's pretty, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Dana Gordon, low key, great character. It kind of, it, it kind of like these scenes kind of set her up for like the role she actually had in the final season where she's actually like yeah. way more involved, obviously. So that's that's a very good one. Honestly, her hers being like, you know, uh, Ari telling her that he hasn't, you know, he's never cheated on his wife in like twenty something years of marriage. She's like, wow, despite what they say, you're actually one of the good guys in this town. And I thought that yeah. like their their interactions were always very good, even before like she had a real storyline in season eight. 
And she starts as like an assistant on Aquaman in season two. And like you get to see her ascension. And like she really does treat Ari well. And he treats her well throughout the length of the show. And, you know, it ends up with them dating next season. Spoiler alert for yep. anyone who hasn't <laughs> watched a show that's 10 years old. Why do I have to give this girl a job? Because I am asking you to and because you can. And you think she'd be good for me? I know she would. But she wasn't good enough for you. She, she was great for me. But you fired her. I didn't fire her. She quit. What is going on here? I need a favor. I got... Thanks. I got you your job, all right? So this is the least you can do for me. What do you owe her, though? Did you fuck her or something? I, what is the matter with you? You were the last person I was with before my wife. No one since. Wow, that was over 20 years ago. You're actually one of the good guys, despite what they say. I need this, Dana, or those naysayers may be proven right. What does she have on you? She is a star. That's all that matters. Well, she's a TV agent. And what, you think that she can run a studio? I was a TV agent. They offered me the job to run this studio, the job that I gave you. I need a favor. Fine, I will meet her. Great. But I need a favor as well. Anything. I want a baby. What? I'm pushing 40. I don't have a man. I want a baby with your sperm. Seriously? <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I need sperm with thicker hair. Ah, so what do you need? Lenny Kravitz. For what? You know, Jim Enders, director? The gay guy that wants Sundance. He's not gay. Come on. No, he's not gay, but even if he was... Okay, so what do you need? I dated him. Okay, he's not gay. <laughs> and he's directing True Violet. Wait, the one with Russell Crowe. And Charlize. I didn't know that. Just happened. So he wants Lenny to play a small part that he thinks can steal the movie. He's desperate. You know I put Lenny in Precious. That's why I'm asking. Done. 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 Then, done. I love you, Dana. And if I ever cheat on my wife, it will be you I'm fucking. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> it's Randall Wallace calling. Oh, great, thanks. This is about the Vince meeting. Music. We've kind of had a tough season with music. This episode has a couple songs, I think, that stood out. Any, any, but any jump out at you, Jake? There, there was none that I knew right away. Like, I, I know, like, I, I'm looking at it here, just pulling it up. Like, the, like th there was nothing I heard that I was like, oh, like, this this is definitely, like, a, a great, like, entourage song. Like, I, I see the song list, but I wasn't, like, familiar with any of them. Like, you know, this is a banger that I definitely, like, will have on, like, the Spotify playlist if I go back. The show opens with the song Hot and Fun by NERD featuring Nelly Furtado. That's about as 2010 of a sentence as I can utter on this podcast. <laughs> Nelly I love Furtado. NERD. We see the, like, tequila house. It's, it's off the hook. There's all the naked women. NERD was the soundtrack of college for me, and 2010 was the end of college for me. I saw them on the Glow in the Dark tour with Kanye West, Lupe Fiasco, Rihanna. So it was like top of mind, this song. That's so a I concert really like, right there. Nice. Hell yeah. I mean, it's not super popular concert these days with Kanye. I still have the poster, and I like can't hang it anywhere because like, <laughs> I don't want someone to tell me. <laughs> I, honestly, speaking of Kanye, like, he, like, honestly, him or Matt Damon are probably like in my top two best cameos on the show. And like, like I watched the, the you know, no can do, I think is the name of the episode. And I watched that back. I'm like, this was such a great cameo, but because Kanye did what Kanye did. It's like, it doesn't have the same lasting impact that it, that it should. I had Jerry Ferrara back on for four, the Tom Brady episode, because I felt not, not, not because I was just a pleasure to Jerry on whenever he can come on and like, I'll have him on for every episode if, if, if he can schedule it. But the fact that I had one member of the entourage on the only episode where we talked about Kanye West pretty much the entire episode, I was like, I should have him back and not talk about Kanye West and talk about something else. <laughs> right. So it was good to get him back. We've, if you guys have not checked out 
No Can Do or Four. Uh, both episodes I have Jerry Farrar on, and he is incredible. And then, yeah, one last song, One Night Stand by Janis Joplin as uh, Vince and Sasha are driving up the coast. Janis Joplin famously drugs uh, did her in, so like kind of a prescient, hey, you know, I just lied to my best friend about that I'm not on drugs, and here we're going to play a song by a, a hardcore drug user. So I'll add both of those songs to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah music playlist. The link to listen to that is in the show notes of today's episode. Vince, where the hell you been? We decided to drive up the coast. We didn't have any service. Yeah, well, we got a problem. What now? Wallace thinks you were on coke at the meeting. What? Yeah, Dana's freaking out. He told that to the studio? Yes. And what did you say? Ari told me. I told him no way. Well, I hope Ari sets them straight. Well, he's got his own problems right now, Vince. Oh, really? Vince, you said the meeting went great. I, I thought it did. I mean, maybe I was a little nervous. And I was tired, so I drank a lot of coffee. I, I can't believe he called the studio without telling me right to my face. All right, I'll call Dana and tell her I know you're 30 years. I've never seen you do coke. Okay. Thanks. I, I'm sure it'll be fine. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Look, E, I'll see you on Monday. All will be well. Okay, I'll talk to you later. You're bad. Why? You totally just lied to him. No, I said all will be well, and it will be. to celebrity cameos we have a lot here tons i don't know if we can talk about them like all in depth but we have you mentioned terry fisher as anna fowler we have chris bosh we have lenny kravitz we have a mark Wahlberg appearance which is always welcome and then we have sean diddy combs who do you want to talk about first the pete diddy cameo felt like kind of a waste of time like it was like we just need to kind of force a cameo because it's entourage and like i'm sure Wahlberg was like oh let's get p diddy and he said he wants to do the show so he's gonna like plug Ciroc. Like, and you guys have talked about this on the pod this is kind of where like entourage goes full like branding infomercial for <laughs> like you know for for certain products like the whole season with avion tequila it's like come on yeah. now so you, you have that I, I don't know like was it cool to see P. Diddy in Hot Dress? I'm sure when I watched this episode in 2010, I was like, oh, that's P. Diddy. But like when you really look back on it, some of these cameos were just like, they're just throwing them in there just to be like, we had so-and-so on an episode of Hot Dress. Look, look at to us. To plug their product. So funny you mentioned this. According to IMDb.com, Mark Wahlberg asked Diddy to appear on short notice, and he was in Europe. So he flew over from Europe just to make this cameo. They didn't have a scene prepared. They had to improvise most of the dialogue, and P. Diddy had no idea how to swing a golf club, so they don't even <laughs> show him. The fucking lines that Walbert says, though, is that what kind of rate do you need shit you got Vince involved in? I'm telling you, invest in the water company, Aqua Hydrate. It's blowing up. Like, gotta get, like, Mark's company in there. Obviously, that Diddy Sirach shout out. I do love Mark, like, hanging up on Turtle. He's like, call my guy. You can come to the house, pick it up, but I want my water back. And don't call me no more. <laughs> Just like, it's the perfect Walbert. I love it. You can't ever have a bad Walbert cameo. In entourage. No, and when you know his like role with like putting together the show and how it's loosely based on his life and his entourage, like I, I I'll never complain about a Wahlberg cameo because like throw Mark Wahlberg in when you can. It's some of the other cameos as we get to the home stretch where it's like you're just forcing these in because you can because the show is so popular at this point. It's at the height of its powers. Mark, I don't want you to take this personally. Take what personally? You know those cases that tequila been sent over to you? Yeah. We need them back. What? No, no, I'm serious. We're calling everybody we gave him to. What's there, a botulism recall on him or something? No, nothing like that. We have a buyer that I promised to deliver to, but I can't get any in time. Dude, 
What kind of rinky-dink shit did you get Vince involved with? I told you, invest in the water company, dude. Aqua Hydrate's blowing up. Yeah, I know. I see it everywhere. Hey, Vinny Chase is doing a recall on his free tequila. Let me speak to him. Oh, did you give Diddy some? Oh, you're in trouble. He's here. Hold on. It's Turtle. Hey, Turtle. See, I told you you should have had Vinny invest in Ciroc when I told you about it. <laughs> it's not too late, though, Turtle. Doesn't sound like you're doing too good with the tequila. <laughs> Dude, call Rob Baldwin, have him pick it up at the house, okay? But I want my water back, all right? Don't call me no more. I wouldn't say I enjoyed the Lenny Kravitz cameo. I thought that was a little shoehorned in. According to IMDb.com, although he was not required on set, Piven showed up to the scene with Kravitz to be off camera talking to him on the other end of the phone so Kravitz would feel that the conversation was more natural. That's cool. I think Piven and Kravitz are friends or, or Piven's a fan, so some cool behind the scenes, but like, I wasn't sitting there going, oh my God, that's Lenny Kravitz. Even in 2010, yeah. I was like, why is he in here? Why is he, you know, working a bat mitzvah? And it's just, is it supposed to be funny? Because I don't really get it. Like the, the bat mitzvah stuff, I guess, is like a Jewish kid from Long Island. I was like, ah, all right, there you go. A little Jewish culture reference. But I was like, we, we didn't need Lenny Kravitz in that scene. That's like one of those cameos where it's like, all right, it's in there. But like, do we need it to enhance the episode? We probably did not. Lenny, it's a no-brainer. A no-brainer for who are you? For you. Two scenes with Russell Crowe? Are you kidding me? Did you read the scenes? I don't need to read them. The director's passion for you is unmistakable. He's an up-and-comer. If you want this acting thing to become more than a hobby, then you step up and do this. Trust me. Read the scenes. Why? Because there's no dialogue, Ari. I'm shirtless with a guitar. I think the director wants to fuck me. Lenny. He dated a girlfriend of mine. Look, I can turn the best of him, and either way, I'm not doing it. Lenny. I gotta go. I'm in Temple. It's my niece's bat mitzvah Saturday, and I gotta help her get her voice right. Manishma. Akol tov, Lenny. Mazal Hey, all right, I gotta go. And then Chris Bosch, my girl likes vodka, turtle, turtle, trust me, an avion tequila margarita will change your life, like playing for the Knicks, whatever. <laughs> so you mentioned this, we mentioned this at the top, Chris Bosch agrees to sign with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on the Heat on July 7th. This episode aired six weeks later on August 15th. That's a crazy quick turnaround for anything, for editing, studio notes, post-production. Kudos to Dodd Dallin and the crew for making it happen and probably shoehorning in this, like, little moment that didn't need to happen at the party, right? Like, they were like, we need a celebrity. Who can we get? Who's the most relevant person right now? And, you know, it was those three in, in the world of basketball in the summertime when there's not a lot of sports happening. And I don't know how you feel about him offering $1,000 for a bottle of vodka, but that bartender would have taken, like, 200 bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Just be smarter with your money, Chris. That's my opinion. Did you know the backstory, though? So I, I think Doug Ellens talked about this on a podcast. So they – is there a podcast? Is there another one? <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as this one. I'll tell you that one. <laughs> Thanks, bro. But, Appreciate it. But there, there was a backstory where I'm, I, I don't remember where I heard it. Maybe it was on that podcast. I'm not sure. They apparently had Chris Bosch record two lines because this was at a point where they didn't know if he was going to sign with the Knicks yet or not. So oh, shit. They, so this is before that. There, there is a scene. Jerry might have talked about this, actually. Yeah. There is a scene where Chris Bosch says – something about how he's on the Knicks. Like, Turtle's like, you know, maybe I'll hook it up because you're on the Knicks now. Yeah. And then the actual scene they ran with was like, oh, it would have been it would have been great. Like, you signing with the Knicks would have been. Like, that That was thrown in there because they had two Got scenes it. shot because they didn't know what Chris Bosh was doing when they shot, when they filmed the absolute, the the actual episode. I You could you, you got to verify that for me, but I'm pretty sure one of the cast members or Doug Ellen has said they had two scenes ready to set, you know, depending on what Chris Bosh was going to do that summer. I might DM Jerry because we DM occasionally i might dm him and ask that because that's a great little bit of tidbit trivia because it 
the timeline still doesn't make sense to me that like they'd be able to turn that around so quickly. So what you just described makes so much more sense. They shot it probably in the spring. They said, "Oh, you're a free agent. You're gonna pitch somewhere, so we'll 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 divvy these two options." That's that's super smart producing, in my opinion. That's that's a great decision on Don Allen and Cruz's part. So, one thousand percent kudos to them. You guys, have anything besides tequila? Uh, no, but it's the world's best. So enjoy, Chris. Ugh, what is this like a sponsored party? No, some good free tequila. So drink up. My girl likes vodka turtle. Trust me, an avion margarita will change your life. Like playing for the Knicks would have. Enjoy. I give you a thousand bucks. Give me some vodka. Uh, my favorite celebrity cameo is Terry Fisher. She's a legend. She's Princess Leia. She's playing a character, obviously, this Anna Fowler. I think she appears one more time in the show, but like a legend amongst mortals when you come to all these cameos. I don't really count Wahlberg as a cameo. He's just kind of part of the crew. I didn't love Kravitz. Bosch, I'll take her leave. It's more of a Wade guy because he's from Chicago. So yeah, I'll, I'll do Terry Fisher. Who's your favorite of all these? So I put Bosch down, and then I also had Carrie Fisher as well, just because, you know, kind of what you said. The, the the legend of Carrie Fisher playing a character on the show. So I had my brother help me with this homework assignment. So let me give a let me give let me give Zach Asman a shout out here because I sent him shout up. Out the, Zach. Yeah, I sent him the shout rundown. out your buddy your buddy Twin Pops too, whatever his name is. These are the these are the diehard uh, entourage fans I have. Uh, friends I have in my in my crew. Awesome. My brother's like, well, what about Sasha Gray? I go, I don't really consider her a cameo because she, no. she had a recurring role. Like she was like a guest star. She's for... like on the Jamie Lynn Seabor yeah. like train this season, one thousand percent. Exactly. So I, I didn't consider her. Uh, so uh, Wahlberg always good. We talked about yeah. that. So I had Bosch, Carrie Fisher, and Wahlberg as like my top three. I put down. Bosch doesn't fuck it up. Bosch isn't awkward or weird. Like there are so many athlete cameos in the show, and I'm sure you can think of a couple where you're like, man, that was horrible. They are not a good actor. And so I'm gonna probably end up talking about them sometime in the next month. But uh, <laughs> he, he definitely doesn't fumble it. So yeah, I'll I'll dip it to those guys. Uh Aqua Hydrate, the performance water that like Walbert references, it's still in business. It's like an electrolyte water and like it's all about electrolytes and, you know, alkaline, all that shit. This is a 13 years ago we're talking. He's Wahlberg was a, ahead of the, the curve on that one. Because that's all the water people drink now. But at the time, I don't think I was hearing about electrolyte water back then. 100%. And you know what, Shuchu, and you guys, I think, talked about this in the most recent episode. Like, think about the amount of celebrities that are involved with alcoholic lines now. Like, yeah. uh, like obviously, P. Diddy with Ciroc was ahead of its time. But, like, uh, I mean, tequila, all these different celebrities are are endorsing tequila the rock started his own tequila on like the fact that it was like quote-unquote taboo for vince to like endorse avion in the first place it just shows you how far we've come since this episode this season great segue into like what would be different about this episode if it was airing today jake well i think the first thing is vince would not tweet out that he's you know has all these cases at the store i think it'd be like an instagram story if anything right like it'd be he'd post it to a story it'd be like hey check out this place they'll have that it'll be like a quick story that'd be the first thing that i thought and then just you wouldn't be able to do the la football story with ari because you have now two teams so it's like that yeah. that whole storyline that sub subplot with ari this season you have to come up with something different to get the nfl involved because there's already now two teams in la i said on a previous episode of this pod that like in 2023 he'd be like negotiating a merger between like disney and like another huge streamer or like television studio movie thing like it would be one of those Ari Gold negotiates like the Marvel Disney thing you know and it, it's not as sexy but that's as about as 2023 as it could get you said it yourself there is no director agent or manager in the world telling their movie star client in 2023 to stop tweeting and promoting their tequila company in 2023 all those people are part owners of that company and they all want a piece and they all want him or her to promote the shit out of it 
And then I'll say, like, in 2023, drama would be absolutely hyped to have an animated show built around him. Great point. In 2010, there were really only a few. I was working at FX at the time. I was a, an assistant at FX, and we had Archer, and it was, like, groundbreaking animation comedy. And we were hearing about, like, BoJack Horseman starting up soon. And, you know, at the time, there was Family Die, Simpsons, King of the Hill, Futurama. But that was about it. Today... Drama would have, like, a two-season order from Netflix. He paid, like, $10 million, and it could be, like, 1,000% his baby. Like, what Bill Burr does with F is for Family, where it's like, this is Bill Burr's life just in an animated, fun way. So, yeah, his anger seems displaced in retrospect, as I would sit, sit there and go, that, why wouldn't you want this? This is amazing. Especially once uh, Phil Yagoda gets on board. <laughs> he, he'd be all over it. A low-key character, the great Phil Yagoda. I can't get enough amazing. Phil Yagoda. He's been in everything. I always remember him from The Longest Yard where he plays like uh, one of the, the security guards at, at, in the prison. William Fickner is just like the man. Every episode he's in, he's in, episode, he's in season eight a ton. So I'm looking forward to talking more Fickner uh, as it comes. Best perk, Jake. I don't know. Is it the tequila? Is it the party? Is it the motorcycle? <laughs> I just, Vince's whole life is such a perk. <laughs> just him being yeah. able to do, do anything. Uh, best perk. I, I would say can I say just turtle having this opportunity to kind of be involved in this like tequila company, like in, in no, and like he actually has some like pretty good, like marketing ideas and whatnot. Like Tur turtle kind of low key was ahead of the, ahead of the game with branding and, yep. and, and all that. So I, I guess turtles perk is access to the Vince. Otherwise none of this would be possible. So I was trying to be kind of outside the box with this. Cause you know, the, the perk in itself is like the lifestyle they live, especially that that's showcased in this episode. So tried to be a little different with what turtle had going on. Cause he was kind of, if you go back and look, he was kind of ahead of his time with a lot of his ideas for the tequila company. His idea about like the bottle is hard to hold. That is such like a small marketing thing that like these days is worth millions. Like if it's a hard bottle to hold, then people won't want to bring it with them places. And so that like, and he's just like, hey, Carlos, like, we need to do a different bottle. It's hard to hold, and it looks old. Those are really, really insightful, smart decisions by Turtle. This is the season when he makes his millions. He deserves it. I'll say, I guess his perk is probably, like, the fact that he's driving around these cases of tequila with Alex, maybe one of the most attractive Death Star female love interests, in his Ferrari that his previous super attractive Death Star girlfriend bought him last season. Right. It's just like, well, this is, you're right, Jake. His whole life is a perk at this point. <laughs> And I'll say this, like Turtle probably has the most character development out of any of like the, the core four in the entourage. So like he's kind of E throughout the whole show. Drama really doesn't change. He matures a little bit, but he's still Johnny drama. Vince is still Vince. Like going back and watching like Turtle in the pilot to where Turtle finishes, even like in the movie, it's he's a totally different guy. Like he had true character development throughout the eight seasons. I love it. And I, I think it's one of the better performances. I don't think it's one of the funnier performances. I'll always take an Ari or a drama funny moment over Turtle, but it does have kind of the most heart in a way because he really does try for a good two or three seasons to get, to get this right. And then Doug Allen said, like, I, I want to make this season the season where he gets enough money to buy his mom a house. And I completely agree with you. I think the bottle needs to be updated. Oh, the bottle? The label feels dated to me. I'm about to give you mid-morning sex, and you're thinking about labels? My mind can't stop. I got a million ideas on how I can make this company really pop. You know, 50 Cent told me he made 50 mil in music and 150 mil in vitamin water. Maybe we can make that. I just like to be able to pay my rent. Well, you got to dream big. It's Carlos. Oh, may I? Yeah. Hey, hey, Carlos, quick question. What do you think about updating the bottle? What do you mean? 
It feels a little dated to me. Turtle, slow down. The bottle is a cool shape. I'll admit that, but I promoted clubs and I bartended. And the simple fact is, you need a bottle that's easy to grip, and ours isn't that easy. We'll talk about it when I come up later this week. Why are you coming up? So we can talk. About what? Well, first off, I can't get you 50 cases for this Guild Turners, not by tonight. Why not? Because I don't have that many in L.A. You said whenever I need supply to call, and you could have them to me in an hour. I meant for friends or for a party, not so you could sell. That's not your job. I gave you stock in this company to get Vince to do an ad campaign, not so you could be my salesman. Jesus, I already put on Vince's Twitter that the cases will be there tonight. You're going to make me look bad. Stop doing things on your own. You're going to make yourself look bad. Carlos. Turtle. I'll be there on Friday. We'll talk. Faces in the crowd, I, I do this really quick. No one like in the background really stands out. I will give a shout out to uh, Randy, who is the Dill Turner liquor store owner. He's played by Canadian actor Patrick Gallagher. Patrick Gallagher has over 140 credits to his name over TV and film. Most famous for playing Attila the Hun in the 2006 film Night at the Museum. But he's also had reoccurring roles on Glee, Big Sky, and True Blood. Just a working actor in Hollywood. I wish we could have seen more of this relationship between Turtle and the liquor store owner. It was really confusing because the liquor store is named Gil Turner, but the guy's name is Randy, and Carlos is like, I don't have anything for Gil Turner, and, Vin and Turtle calls him yeah. Randy. It was just one of these confusing, annoying things where I was like, what the hell is this character's name? So I had to do a little bit more research there. You know, you know what's interesting, though, about like just the, the whole Gil Turner like scene? Like It's another example of like Turtle being a hustler. Like yep. Basically being like, hey, if I get you these cases, you got to put Avion in front of like whatever the other tequila company yep. you wanted to block. Like, Turtle Turtle does not get enough credit for being a smart businessman with a good business acumen uh, in these late season episodes of Entourage. That was my big takeaway and, watching back this this uh, this episode here. One thousand percent, and I think it's Patron. He's like, please put it in front of the Patron. Patron pays for that placement. Patron pays Randy at Dill Turner's uh, for that placement. <laughs> and, and Turtle's like, I can't pay you, but I will give you more products so you will sell more. Like he's like basically trading goods for services and like that's what that's how you start when i first started doing this podcast i used to just be like hey can you please come on my podcast i will promote the shit out of whatever you're doing that's how i got all these big comedians on in season two and three because i was like you have a new special coming out you have a new tour like just come on talk entourage with me for 45 minutes and i will pump out on a, a, across all these social channels info and they were they always were game because that's how this game works as i'm sure you know having your own show and own podcast like I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but it's very cool to see Turtle thinking like a businessman. That's spot on. I mean, it's it's, it's the only way you kind of grow, right? You got to promote. You got you do different appearances, and it's it's how you kind of spread spread the word of your brand. So yeah, Turtle got that. I I'm a big Jerry Ferrara Turtle fan. Apparently, I'm going to bat for him this episode. <laughs> Love the delivery truck, Turtle. Gets the job done. How come you still got Alex? I thought you got rid of the car service. I let him keep me. Really? Yep. Well, thanks for bringing this over, man. Anything I could do to help spread the word that is Avion. How many calls have you gotten today? <sighs> 40 already. That's sick. That's just from Vince tweeting. Wait till we stick his face on billboards. Listen, who else are you giving this to in the area? That stuff's like oil, kid. Everybody wants it. Yeah, but I'm ground zero for breaking product in Hollywood. You know that. You're the first place in the States to have it. And if you put it in front of the Patron so no one can see that, I won't give anyone else within three miles stuff for a month. I think I can make that happen. How much more can you get me? How much do you want? We'll take 25 cases to start. How about I get Vince to tweet that you're the only place in town that has it, you take 50. Done. See, that's why I let him keep me. His brain turns me on. I thought it was my body. Mm. No? No? <laughs> Sixth Man Award. Who came off the bench and just made the use of his or her limited screen time? Ooh, so this was tough. I don't know if I could pick just one. 
But I mean, the names I put down, Billy Walsh, just because I just him back in the mix, the Medellin tattoo on the back. Just love seeing Billy back in the mix with the fellas meditating. Yeah, it's just so good. Uh, Dana Gordon. I I mean, big Dana Gordon fan here. So loved loved her role. And honestly, limited screen time. But Sloan telling E, just keep your focus to me and then stripping down like, come on now. Sloan's got to get, uh, you know, a mention here in the six man conversation. So that, that was my top three. But this was this is a decent episode for some six man options because there's a bunch of different storylines at once kind of happening here. So you have a bunch of different characters involved with the main cast. Yeah, this is a pretty intricate episode, if we're being honest. So usually the E and Sloan thing is kind of off to the side and it's like, oh, we're having dinner together or we're looking at wedding cakes and it's. Not as interesting as what's going on with the main crew, but like he's in the mix a little bit. Sloan's taking her clothes off. I completely agree. I'm going to give mine to Lizzie Grant. And Mm. I'm only doing it because for the last two or three episodes, her behavior has been, in more or less words, completely erratic. She quits angrily. She tells Ari to go fuck himself when he offers her like a very decent severage package. And she's shown basically like little to zero humanity and compassion towards Ari. But now she's, like, doing that. In this episode, she quits Amanda's, but she wasn't comfortable with blackmailing Ari, and she basically leverages her tapes to have Ari get her a studio job, which is her acting like how Ari would act, and her basically being like, let me try to do this your way. I don't want to ruin your family. I don't want to ruin your life. And at the end, she just gives him the tapes, even though he hasn't gotten her a job. It's just like a nice turn, a nice human turn for this character who's basically been acting like an irrational monster for three episodes. And very out of character for her because in last season, she's fighting to get away from the Andrew Klein thing. She helps broker the NFL deal. She's like a very cohesive member of the Miller Gold Agency and is like on the rise. And then for three episodes, she just turns into a nightmare bad guy character for Ari. So it's good to have her turn, have that character turn. Uh, so I'm going to give it to her. That's a good one. Her turn was very quick, though. To go from where she was in the previous episodes to like, yeah. I feel bad. Here are the tapes back, Ari. Like, I don't even have a job yet. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, it, look, the, there's the, all my leverage. It, like, all of it. like there's no way. That's a, What would be different in 2023 in the Me Too era we now live in? Or, you know, that it's already happened well past, you know, this episode occurring. She's taken the the million dollar offer that already that already. Made I said it. that last week. Yeah, I like, said like she's without hesitation, not blinking, going, "Yeah, I'll take the million. I'll put." And, and no one would blame her. Be like, you know what? You, you have you have this opportunity. Take the million dollar offer. Be on your way. Do whatever you want to do. And Ari would be like, "Look, this is the cost of doing business." Like that's how it would go if this was today. Lizzie, <laughs> are you kidding? This time, I confess, I am following you. Why? I feel bad. I heard that things aren't working out too well for you over at Amanda's. Where'd you hear that? I have ears everywhere. It has nothing to do with you. I haven't slept in two days. That has everything to do with you. I can't help you sleep, Ari. I need those tapes back. Deadline Hollywood has them. No, they don't. Ari, why didn't you promote me? Honestly. Honestly, my wife wanted me to get rid of you. (laughs) Wow, Okay, that's a lot more honest than I expected. Not to mention, I wouldn't peg you as the type to bend to your wife's demands. Well, you would be surprised. She wanted you gone long before you asked for that promotion. Then you quit, and I didn't have to do anything. What if I hadn't? I still wouldn't have promoted you because you weren't ready. Someday you will be, but not yet. Honestly. I still disagree. Do you also disagree that had I given it to you, other people, not just my wife, would have made excuses as to why, and you wouldn't be recognized for your work? That is such a bullshit double standard. Well, I don't make the rules. Not all of them, anyway. 
You know, I actually respect that you're still standing your ground. Well, let's call a truce. Move on. Yeah, I would if I had somewhere to move on to. Well, come back to me. Yeah, with my tail between my legs, then for sure no one would respect me. You can find a job, something better. Maybe you can help me find that. How? All right, come on, you control this town. If you believe in me, help me. Being an agent was just a means to an end. I would love a studio job. I'll make some calls. Do more than that. I need those tapes, Lizzie. I don't know what's on them, all right? I talk a lot. I'm mean with words. My actions usually aren't. If they're as bad as I played them in my head... They're worse. That could be a real problem for my family. And for the NFL? The NFL will be done, of course. And you know how much I want that. But that will be nothing compared to what I think might happen with my wife and kids. Show some compassion. I already have, Ari. This whole thing was Amanda's idea. To sue, now this. That's why I'm not gonna be working with her anymore. I appreciate that. I would appreciate a job. If you were gonna send the tapes, you would have sent them already. Who knows, maybe five years from now I might be going through a nasty divorce and I might displace my anger at all men towards you. I will find you a job. <laughs> I'll get you those tapes. We could have been good together. We were good together. So we talked about favorite Johnny drama and Ari Gold moments every week. I don't have any. I, I think I've talked. To, I, I would love for you to lead me if you got anything. Ari, I, I really didn't because it's just it, it. It's such a somber episode for him. Like, it really is. I, the only thing I had, and you mentioned it earlier, his interaction with Babs. Like it's still like prime <laughs> Ari coming out where he's just putting Babs sure. in places. That's what he does. So I had that. Um, it, it was tough to find an Ari one for this one. Like if. If it was maybe earlier in the season when he's kind of like still thinking he's going to get the NFL team and he's talking up Jerry Jones and the other owners involved, there's a lot more there. Not a ton here. Um, so I, that's all I really had for Ari. There there was a couple like drama moments, just like him at the party, the interaction with <laughs> Billy Walsh. Like he's like, you're with me tonight. Like I thought that <laughs> was classic Johnny drama. As um, Billy's eating the biggest bowl of chips and guac yeah. you've ever seen. He's probably just like, he wants to do the drug so badly. So I'm going to start shoveling food into my mouth. So I'm, and do something with my hands. Like, I thought that was funny. And then just drama's reaction to the Johnny drama pitch that like yeah. him and Billy Walsh still is still a show in that scene. Like that's, that's just funny stuff there. So those were the two like big Johnny drama ones that I had down. I'm up for anything, Billy. So if you got a good idea, bring it. I look forward to the challenge. Are you a director? Are you kidding? This is Billy Walsh. Once upon a time, he was the best. Really? Well, it's still in there, but priorities shift. Oh, yeah? What are your priorities now? I'm married. Then you're with me tonight, sweetheart. Have a good evening, all right? Think of something good for me, Billy. Marinating, right? Marinating. What the hell is that? Hit your tongue in my mouth five minutes ago. Yeah, but not a ton of, like, incredible drama one-liners or, like, him... You know, him going off the rails in a comedic way. It's, it's, it's a pretty muted episode for both Ari and drama, which is rare given how strong those two actors and performances are. So kind of a bummer. Sorry, Jake. We'll have you back. And when we have a stronger, you know, Ari and drama episode, how about that? Oh, I, I need an Ari like therapy episode or yeah. I need, so, I need, I need some, uh, you know, Johnny drama going off about something going wrong with uh, Johnny, Johnny's bananas or dice clay, something going on there. So not, not many left. We've got 11 episodes left, so we'll, we'll find one for you. Yeah. I mean, look, if you need me for uh, the movie as well, I'll rewatch <laughs> that a bunch of times too. I mean, we're, this is the most fun I've ever had doing homework in my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm sorry not to, to saddle you with a few more homework questions here. Who besides Vince won this week's episode of Entourage? Ooh. Can I say E? I mean, I know E's yeah. going through some work stress, but I mean, that's Sloan scene. That's top notch. And I, I think Billy Walsh kind of won, right? Uh, Billy yeah. Walsh is back in the mix. He went from like begging E to get an opportunity to now he has a pitch that went so well. Phil Yagoda is going to be on board to try and make it. E, e thinks it's really good, which is half the battle of E's on board with what uh, Billy Walsh is pitching. And you know, Billy Walsh kind of has Vince's best interest in mind here, too. He's trying to leash. He's not trying to rat on him, but he's, he's trying to be a good friend and he, he's trying to help. I think I think Billy Walsh won this episode because, you know, he's he's back in the fold. And he's got a chance to kind of rectify his life. You made a great taste. I completely agree with you. He even says to E at one point, like, let's get the studio on board. And he's like, well, we need to get drama on board for first. And he goes, no, if studio's on board, drama will probably be on board, too. And it's just he knows the psychology behind drama. Like, of course, if if Philly Dota is like the studio wants to make this for you, drama, drama's insecurity will come out. And oh, then I got to make it. It's just it's perfect. Yep. And, Billy knows these characters so well. He's grown up with these guys in a way. And uh, so I completely agree. Billy Walsh, 100%. Jake, was this an A-list, B-list, or D-list episode of Entourage? And you can do pluses and minuses. Ooh. It, to me, it's definitely not an A-list, unfortunately. There's not many in season seven that are, if any. B-list seems like I would just be like trying to be like a fan, but oh, it's still like, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think it's a D-list. And like, it was better than I, this episode was better than I remembered when I, you know, went back and actually watched it. Cause I, I just remember season seven kind of just being bummed out. Just may, maybe just the way it ends, obviously, which you'll get to on this pod. I, I would say this is a C plus episode. I think that's fair. Like there are some moments, but I think what makes entourage entourage, a lot of it is great Ari and drama moments. And we just talked about how there weren't really a ton that we could point to here. So without having that and kind of just the, the downward spiral that Vince is starting to be on, I would say a C plus is fair. If you went C or went lower, I, I don't think any Entourage fan would kill you for that either. I completely agree. I'm at I'm at about C C minus. This avalanche of celebrity cameos is is upon us. There's like twenty in the next three episodes. Vince fucking up the director meeting, even though it wasn't that bad. I mean, the real redeeming characters in this episode are Turtle and Billy Walsh. That's not a lot when you think about there are twenty people in this episode. So yeah, I'm, it's only bad times ahead for the next three episodes. I'm trying to maintain my positivity, stay optimistic. I'm completely on your side, though. When I saw the name of the episode to Teal and Coach, I went, here we go, Coach, it's going to be horrible. And watching this episode, not too bad. I I, I really didn't dislike it as much as I thought I, I could have or would have. So uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was ton, tons of fun, man. Thank you so much for joining. I, I, I love to have an expert on. I love to have someone who's like knows the show in and out. And I love to have someone who's got some fucking radio experience because it's not easy being a podcast guest, man. It's not easy to, to do the interplay thing. So you do, you do a really great job, and uh, this has been a total pleasure. My last question, which I always ask my first-time guests, and I would love to have you back, who are you in your own real-life entourage, Jake? Oh, that's a great question. And I knew it was coming, too, and I was like, how do I want to word this answer here? I, I would say I don't know if I'm just one. I would say I have a lot of, like, maybe, like, E tendencies, which is unfortunate, mm. but we do have similar hair colors, so I'll take pride. I'll, <laughs> take, I'll yep. take pride in that. But I also have a lot of turtle on me, like the loyal, because I'm very loyal to my friends. Kind of how like drama's the same way as well. But I would say I, I have a lot of turtle on me, like the sport fan in me, the passion I have for my teams. Like if if turtle was a a jet fan, like I would have told Tom Brady he fucking sucks balls too. Like <laughs> I like I 100 percent would have been on. So I, I just I love that you know that whole back and forth. Um, so I would say I'm a mix of like turtle and E, you know, I'm definitely not drama. I'm definitely no way on my Vince. I mean, come on now. <laughs> and I'm not Ari either. So I would say, I, I would say I'm a hybrid of like E and turtle. I got some personality traits of both guys. This was so much fun, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah find you, follow you and listen to you? 
Uh, at Jake Asman on Twitter and Instagram, I do daily radio. If any of your listeners are in H-Town, uh, 3 to 7, The Wheelhouse, ESPN 97.5 FM. And if any of your listeners are Jet fans or New York sports fans, The Jake Asman Show uh, daily on YouTube. So just search my name. It comes right up. Well, I'm a Bears fan, so good luck with Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad he's out of our division. Jake, I'm going to have you back in Season 8, I promise you. This was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk on Monday. Bye.